everyone. We have absolutely so much to catch up on. Jeez Louise, welcome back to Rachel Profiling. excited for this episode today. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so excited to just chitty chat and catch up because there's been so much that's been happening in the past several months and the past summer in itself. When people ask me this summer, like, what have I been up to? What's been going on? I really put it in this box of like, oh, I think it's been a professional development summer. There have been a lot of pivotal things happening in my life where that really helped me regain my confidence because I think, and I always feel bad saying this, but also I realize I shouldn't feel bad. One of my friends told me, they're like, you shouldn't feel bad for having a hard time because that's something I've struggled with a lot and just apologizing a lot and kind of reflecting on why do I apologize so much or, you know, thinking about why do I feel guilt for feeling sad? And I think it's just because it is a foreign feeling to me and that's something I've had to confront a lot this past year. But this summer has been something that has really helped me regain my confidence in just a myriad of different ways. And I've been able to have my first like real big girl teaching job and go to conferences and gatherings. And I got to go to DC earlier this year. We'll, we'll go in chronological order. I really just want to update you and kind of give you where like my mindset is at. And while I haven't been podcasting, I always, I have this one big note that's called podcast points because I like to be able to like, oh, if I have a moment and I know like later on I'll want to podcast about it, I still can. So Let's go all the way back to May when I graduated, quote unquote graduated, because for some context, we have, well, some, first of all, there's legitimately, that's a, that's a vocab word for you. We have so much vocab, vernacular, lore, gimmicks, schemes, tricks, and trades to catch up on. Oh my goodness. My, one of my favorite things this summer is a summer gimmick. It's a summer gimmick. One of my summer gimmicks, just having a sense of joy and play in everything that I do, but nevertheless. This May, I graduated for some more quote unquote. I got to walk, but I'm not fully graduated until the fall because I'm student teaching for music ed. And so we'll start there. Graduation was, to be honest, a very stressful time for me. I look back on this past year and I'm like, oh, doggies. You know, there's just been a lot of things in my my day to day where I really worry about how like certain dynamics and relationships play out, especially when it comes to like interpersonal family relationships and stuff like that. And this was one situation that I was very, very stressed and overwhelmed about. Just because, you know, graduation day in itself can be stressful. Family dynamics can be stressful. And that's not to negate the love and support that I think is inherent and the pride and the support that I've been given, no matter to what degree, in the past four years, in the past year. But, girl, I was stressed. Oh, my gosh. I was not having it. I look back and I went through my camera roll. Uh, and it just was like tears, but you know what? I think it's a good, it's, I like to, I know that other people do this too. When you're crying, you take a picture of yourself. And I think it's kind of because I'm like, oh, I kind of want to, I don't know, capture this. Then be like, ha it's not like I send it to anybody just for my own sake. I don't really know the psyche behind it, but I'm happy to say I am in a much better place this summer. And I think that's why I've gained so much more confidence in myself again, because so much of my confidence ended up becoming reliant on different situations in my life whether that's like success 
in my field or recognition. It really came down to I lost a lot of confidence in validation of who I am and where I was finding validity from. And so then after graduation, everything kind of like, it, it settled itself immensely. I went and did my first big girl job in Framingham, Massachusetts, which is a city outside of Boston. And I taught K through five music and social emotional learning. And that was so fun. And if, I mean, I know that we're all friends, just chay chatting. So like you saw on the gram, those kids, they're so funny. I have so much love for them. And it was like, I literally came into the class and they go, Miss Peck, don't play. Miss Peck, don't play. I said, y'all are like nine. And they would just run to the class saying that. And they'd be like, Miss Peck, can you get sturdy? Can you get sturdy? And you know what? I would. I would. Who, who else is going to get sturdy? Me. So that was fun. That was a really great learning experience for me because of just it being like my first teaching job in general, but just also analyzing like how I want to approach different things and seeing how people talk about like education in public school and even the students and like what does it mean to really support our students and also to be a person of color in a predominantly black and brown community was huge because I realized that well, I've always kind of just been thinking about just in like what my focus has been in music ed has been uplifting and supporting teachers of color and students of color. But then to actually be able to have that inherent connection with the student body, because there is like this innate trust when you see someone who is a person of color and you're also a person of color. And it just was so fun. And there was so much love in the room and it was goofy and good. And then I also went to the Eras tour, which was crazy lit movie. Listen, life changing event. That day kicked off. Well, that day was an interesting day because there was a whole situation at school where we had to address like racial slurs in my classroom where I addressed it with the students and I had a whole like heart to heart discussion with them. That's a whole other episode in itself. I kind of want to give you just like the brief rundown of everything that's been happening in the past three months because there are so many things that I could go on whole tangential stories about and maybe I'll go back to that. But the Eras tour was a huge moment, a huge life-changing summer gimmick moment it's not even a gimmick because it's a lifestyle listen it's a girlhood summer and going to that era's tour snapped boom it changed it like i was like oh yes this is what living is i went with my best friends matt nula and gordon we had gotten tickets back in november and oh one thing about my girl nula she can get tickets she get we had a spreadsheet we had multiple cards on deck we had multiple promo codes it was boom 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 we were set and we got those tickets and had the time of our lives. And listen, we were driving in a getaway car. Like there is something so freeing about standing at the, like it doesn't matter where you are in Gillette. And going to see Taylor Swift is like one of those shows. I also saw Beyonce the other week. So that's a whole thing we'll talk about. But going to see shows like that is one of those situations where you just have to be in the room. And I was like, wow, this is what living is. But there's something about this summer where I've realized it's so freeing to have the autonomy. Not that I didn't think I didn't have personal autonomy before, but to be able to be making my own money, paying my own rent, preparing to really be independent, be financially independent, but also find my confidence in my independence again. And no matter what that looks like, but also relishing in girlhood and what that is and how beautiful it is to like be a girl. I love being a girl's girl. Like, I love wearing... I've always been this way, too, if you've known me for forever. Like, I remember um, my, like, brother from home, TJ, he would always clown on me because I have this super sparkly, bedazzled Starbucks cup, and he's like, it's gaudy, it's gaudy. 
And I was like, no, it's just me like being, you know, a little, I said bouge at the time, but I really, it's just, it is a little gaudy, but it's in like a corny, gaudy, girl's girl kind of way. I love that hot pink is having its moment. I love that pink in itself is having its moment. And to be able to reflect about, watch something about watching Taylor Swift too. It was like watching your big sister grow up because I'm born 2001. So I'm from the age group where like, we're a little bit younger than her. So it was very much like she was always kind of like the next stage in your life like ahead of you when you listen to like speak now in 1989 and everything and so then to sing all the songs that i grew up with and yell them with my best friends life-changing event life-changing event and i just especially so many of her songs i feel i realize i'm a big pop girly this summer too my favorite pop songs epitome of pop pop deja vu olivia rodrigo feather sabrina carpenter juxtaposition am i right and then august is one of my favorite songs ever i realized august slipped away into a moment in time because guess what it is slipping away right now it's literally slipping away currently it's august 10th zooey how did that happen so to especially because i associate so many songs with different memories in my life it's just been the summer of girlhood the Eras Tour, the summer I turned pretty, started watching that show with Nula. Nula and I watched that show like a sport, especially because the main character is Asian. I'm watching that and I'm yelling, let's go Asians, let's go Asians, let's go girlhood. There's something really nice about connecting and reflecting about what growing up has been. And I say this as if I'm like, you know, grown. I'm 22. That's the other thing, I turned 22. So that was really fun. But nevertheless, there's something really nice about being able to reflect about what the past has meant to me and how it's shaped me and what girlhood is. So that was May. That was Eras Tour graduation. And then June, I was just working a lot. I was still work because the school year ended, I think like June 21st or 23rd, I forget which. So I was just working. I was commuting to Framingham. I was doing a bananas commute. So I'd wake up at 5 a.m. and then I'd go to the train. I'd leave for the train at 5.40 and then the train would leave at 6.04 on the dot. And then I would ride a 40-minute train ride to Framingham and then walk for half an hour. And then I'd teach all day and then I'd come back. And then I would take classes and then teach in the evening. So it just was a lot. That's what I mean by like it was a professional development summer because I was able to figure out how to balance things. And what, so I would have definitely put myself out of that situation because it's so not sustainable and I'm not trying to glorify that whatsoever. If it was a long-term situation, I would have pulled myself out of it sooner. But I knew I was only doing it for a month. So I was like, oh, this is okay. I'm making good money, I'm enjoying it, I'm learning a lot about myself, about being a teacher, all of that good stuff. So that was all of June, and then I turned 22, and I really wanted to have a smaller, I'm a big birthday party person. I love celebrating, I love just being with my friends, and something I've been thinking about this whole summer is just friendship and what that means to me, and I think I, think I might have touched on it earlier, but the idea about like, This summer is a huge summer because, yes, it's connecting with, like, my girlhood, professional development, all that stuff, but also it's a very transitional summer because most of my friends have graduated college fully and people are starting to move. My first friend to move was one of my best, best friends, Eli, who has such a special place in my heart because, you know, I mean, if you've been a long-time listener of Rachel Profiling, I've had a lot of struggle with really enjoying being in Boston, but Boston really feels like home now, and I do love it because of the people that have made the community in it for me i have this thing called community days where i go over to cambridge and i go say see sahail who is the guy who develops my film and i go spend time with ashley when i get my hair done who is my hairdresser and they're just people who have really invested in my life and i feel the same way with my friends and 
this whole year I've kind of just been thinking like my friends are my protectors you know no one's gonna protect us like we protect each other uh there's just so much love within that and it just means the world to me so I don't know why but yesterday I was at the beach with my friend Grace Grace and I had a girl's day happy summer of girlhood everyone another one of my summer gimmicks and this beach it, I think it's called Easton Beach I'm not 100% sure it's next to the cliff walk in Newport Rhode Island and that has become a really special place for me because, you know, when you grow up, you have all these different places that your parents take you to. You have, like, traditions, all that good stuff. It's so nice to be able to create my own traditions now with people who I consider family, no matter what that looks like. Or just, you know, I really hold my friends to a high regard in kind of, like, the personal relationships in my life. Like, how close they are. My friends are the ones who are the most consistent thing in my life. They're the ones that hold me down consistently. So much love. And it's completely unconditional and unwavering. And I think that's why I'm starting to get scared. Why things are changing and I'm like, what's going to happen? Am I going to fall distant with people? Are people already getting distant? And then I have to stop myself because I know that's my anxiety talking to me. Because I start thinking about how things are changing and how people are moving and are we going to stay as close? But then I think about the change that has happened in my life. And this is all thoughts I was having at the beach. And I just feel that... It's a great place where I can actually be quiet and think. And you know it's hard for me to be quiet and think because your girl likes to talk. I like to jibber-jabber. What can I say? But I literally had a moment where I was walking on the cliff walk with Grace. And I was about to say something. I was about to be like, wow, it's so beautiful and quiet. And I was like, I don't need to say that. I just stood there in silence. And then she said something. I was like, yeah, I agree. She said like the same thing I was thinking. But everything is starting to change. And I started to get a little scared last night. But then I thought about the change that has brought so much joy in my life. Like, moving from Texas to Boston, I used to literally have this thought. I literally had this thought when I was 19, and I would say it out loud to my friends. I remember I was in the Sonic parking lot with Brea, and it was our last night where we were in the same, like, living in the same town. And I was like, how could it get better than this? I was talking about, like, our friendship. And my friendship with everybody. I just was thinking, how can it get better than this? I know the best people in the world. And as I've gone through college and I've made all these new friends and I've lived in a new city and I live by myself and all of these things, it's really nice to know that, not that it can get better than this, but that making all these new friendships and finding all this community in other places and other cities doesn't invalidate or negate the love that I already have in other friendships and then when we all come together just blows my little mind like so many people have come to visit me this summer which has made me so happy my friend Toasty Chase Robinson came to visit for five days and it was so great to feel like this summer when people come to visit they can see kind of the fully formed community and person that I've become in Boston because it's so exciting to introduce all my friends to everybody I remember so there's like good change, you know, change, I think change is usually always good. I remember last summer I made an episode where I just become friends with Nula and Gordon because that's when we started hanging out a lot and I mentioned it. And I was like, it's so exciting to be able to make new friends. So later on in college, and then I had this reminder again when I went to Chase Bank like two days ago and I made a new friend at the Chase Bank just because we started talking about Beyonce. And that they, I just feel like I have so much community around me now so then when my friends come here Gordon Mueller is such a huge part of who I am in Boston they're two of my favorite people and so then to have like Toasty come to Boston and Billy and 
you know, Brant and everybody to come meet each other. It just, it's so fulfilling and welcoming and warm. So that's been a lot of where my brain has been at. And then also, like I was saying, just creating my own spaces, like going to Rhode Island, everything. I'm not trying to sound all like philosophical on this podcast. We're really just gabbing and catching up. But yeah, that's kind of been a little bit of where my head is at in August as well. But summer has just been so interesting because I thought for a minute, I was like, I feel like I'm not spending time with my friends. I'm worried about, you know, like making sure that all of my friendships are fulfilled to the fullest extent that I really, I don't want to feel like I'm wavering and distant with anybody. But then I realized, oh, I just, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. I think I worry about things a little bit too much sometimes. And it just happens naturally because you know what, no matter how long a time period goes, all that friendship, the care inside of it doesn't dwindle just like in one day, you know? So that was May and a little bit of August and June. And June was a lot of working and my birthday. And oh, the reason I brought that up is because my birthday, I really wanted it to be a smaller group of people for my party, for my birthday party this year. But just because of how pivotal this year has been, I really want the people who surrounded me to be there, who I really felt safest with. And we did a Rachel Kahoot. Matt made a Rachel Hoot, where it's just all Rachel lore and fun facts. And that was great. Oh, but before that, I went to D.C. So that was a huge moment. That was so literally the last day of school. I went to the airport right after. Flew to D.C. And I went to Hill Day, which is a thing for the National Association for Music Ed, which we'll call NAFNI further on. And I got to advocate for real, like government you know legislative change like bills that we want to be passed to support music education and so i focused on uh, the teacher shortage how do we stop the teacher shortage how to retain specifically teachers of color and so there are these like four different bills that we talk mostly about we were called like the massachusetts delegation which was super cool i was felt so official i wear my little hot pink outfits and i would prance around dc and it just, I don't know, there's something so invigorating about it. And to be encouraged to talk about the things that I've been talking about this past year was huge. I just feel sometimes that I throw things to the wall and I'm always worried about perception and how that's going to be received because I never want to come across as someone who's too, like, not outspoken, but too abrasive or always talking about the same thing. Like, you know, sometimes I feel like being a person of color, being Asian becomes a thing for me. It becomes a thing. And that's why I don't really talk about being queer a lot. Because I don't want it to become another thing. It just It's something that feels so natural to me. So if you remember, like, a year or two ago, I came out. And at the time, I think I just said queer. I really identify with pansexual. I'm just going to like whoever I want to like. And I didn't want it to become a thing because sometimes I think being Asian is a bit of a thing for me. But it's something I care so deeply about, and also I just don't talk about being queer a lot because it's just something that's so inherent. Like, I look back on my actions and growing up and who I am, and I'm like, there's no way that I'm straight, you know? So that's why I think when it comes to talking about being Asian and being a person of color, sometimes I find the need to be very methodical, especially this past year, and being in white spaces and how that's going to be received and how do I approach it and how do I make it digestible for people and how do I make it not be, like, a shtick. You know, I don't want people to just solely associate that one thing with me. It's real research work, things that I do that I really care so deeply about that are affected by structural violence and systemic racism. 
not just me being like, I'm a person of color and this is how it affects me, but how it affects all of us. So it was so nice to have validation in what I was doing, Chris. And I do feel like a little bit of that, I do rely sometimes on validation, like I was saying earlier, and I find that confidence in the validation that I was able to go do this, go to NAFME, Hill Day and everything, but also just that I was so proud of how I handled it myself and represented myself and the people I was with in Massachusetts. And so I talked about the need for loan forgiveness because I talked about there's a teacher shortage. Why is there a teacher shortage? Because of lack of financial accessibility. When you're a music educator, you have to get your master's within five years of graduating undergrad. And there already is this funnel that is taking teachers out, taking teachers of color specifically out because that is going to affect us to a higher degree. So it's the whole thing of when you don't have that accessibility, like, there's always so much to pay for with lessons and instruments and all of this. And if you can't pay for your licensure tests, all these things start to slowly weed you out of the system. So then if we don't have financial support for our teachers, there's already then inherently a lack of teachers of color and then students don't get to see themselves in the classroom. And then that's where our music programs start to really dwindle. And so that's why we need more financial support. And sadly, money does come to it. We need the financial support for us to be able to get into the programs, stay in the programs, get our licensure, continue to be an educator, continue to get your master's, all these things. It's a whole domino effect. So I talked about that. I talked about uh, why it is so important to have teachers of color in the room because of that inherent trust I talked about. Like when I was, I gave the example of when I was teaching in Framingham. Uh, It's just a safe environment. Not that I don't feel safe when I'm with white educators that's what I grew up around mostly like around white people both of my parents are white there's nothing wrong with that it's never the act of you know replacing it's the act of addition I just beg to ask the question why can't there also be this and very very improv you know yes and because it just is going to continue to uphold these systems that keep us out of the educational system and then teach us curriculum and then there's a whole thing too with like divisive concept laws and why teachers are leaving the field because we feel like we can't talk about certain things which is a whole thing I'll get into in like a little bit when I'll talk about the API gathering but for NAFME it was a very fulfilling experience because I was able to talk about why we are losing teachers especially teachers of color and how do we stop that from happening and to be supported in talking about something I care so deeply about um I'm going to read you what my caption was or what my like prompt was for what I would tell people because I feel like I'm not doing as a concise of a job right now just because my brain is like, I want to talk to them about this and this. So this past weekend, I had the honor of being a part of the Massachusetts delegation advocating for bills to support music education, such as loan forgiveness and diversifying the workforce. Currently, there is a teacher shortage which is affected by the lack of financial support equals lack of teachers and specifically lack of teachers of color. That was the kind of like domino effect I was trying to explain. Students not being able to see themselves represented in their own communities, ensuring, oh, yeah, which equals students not being able to see themselves represented in their own communities. Ensuring everyone feels that they are able to take up space is a huge part of my philosophy, as well as the need for voices of black and brown students to be uplifted at the forefront as there are many systemic barriers hindering our students of color. It meant everything to me to advocate for all teachers, and that is really true. Like, so, just representation itself, I think sometimes people can see it as fluffer, but then I think about, like, how much the show The Summer I Turned Pretty means to me, even as like a 22-year-old girl, to have the lead be this Asian girl. And for her, it's it to not be about her being Asian, just her like living life is so 
fantastic. And I think that's part of the reason why I love that show so much. And I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand when you don't have, you know, I talk about like homecoming, homecoming week, you have character day. And I felt like, especially as someone who's racially ambiguous and like more, you know, like a a dark skinned Asian, I was like, huh, who can I be? I can't be Mulan, you know? So there was really like two options. There's like Lilo and Moana. And oddly enough, sometimes Boo, depending what season it was, because usually this was in fall. So I was like, I could be Boo. I have black hair at the time. And I also really love Monsters, Inc. So it really was like, there's not that much representation. So then that's kind of to support the idea that representation is really important because we do pay attention to those things and it affects us inherently. So that was really huge. I really love DC. I loved walking around DC. First of all, I felt so safe. There are so many just people of color to be blatant. I feel a lot safer when there I am around a lot more people of color. Um, that's why I feel like I explain sometimes. I love Boston. I really love Boston now because of the friends and the community that I have. And I was talking to Billy and Gina about this. They were visiting last week. That's what's so nice, too, about when I do find people I connect with. It's like, oh, sometimes, you know, there's a look you give each other. Like, oh, I see you type of look that happens. And when that happens in Boston, it's like, oh, that's so real. Because in Houston, you go home, or I go home, and everybody is just, everybody's a person of color. It's different. It's diverse, at least in, like, certain pockets, you know? It's not even, like, certain pockets. I feel I, There's still places that are predominantly white. But that's why I just feel so much safer. And then when it's kind of, like, a odd blessing, I feel like, that in Boston when it happens, because it's like, oh, yeah, we understand and we see each other. That's really the conversation I had, like, with the Chase Banker. <laughs> uh, not, like, as blatantly, but just, like, we were talking about the people around us. And, you know, throwing things, like, kind of out there about how, like, oh, yeah, well, like, we are around a lot of PWIs, which is predominantly white institutes and all of that. So, yeah, that was, that was huge to be in that community and to walk around. DC. that's another thing I realized this summer. I'm an East Coast girl. I'm an East Coast girl through and through. I love being able to drive a few hours and be at a beach in Rhode Island. Huh? Not even a few hours, an hour and a half. Um, DC obviously isn't, like, super East Coast. It's more, what is it called? Like, the DMV. But I really liked being able to walk around, even though it was a little muggy. And I just felt so invigorated being able to talk about and advocate for the things I care so deeply about. It was so validating. I think one of the big words this summer is affirming. Things have been very affirming. And I think that's where more of my confidence has come back again. So that was DC. And I realized there that I want to move there. I think I want to move there. I was like, I was talking to everyone. I was like, y'all, you should not have brought me on this shit because it's kind of dangerous. They were like, what are you talking about, Rachel? And I was like, well... I just, I love it. I want to move here. And I think it's like not something like post-grad, post-grad, because I still want to move to New York for a little bit, work in the public school system, get my master's, hopefully at Teachers College Columbia. That's like the dream. But of course, I want to teach in public school first and really be in the community. But then like Rachel in her like 40s, 50s, I would love to do something in education policy because when I was there, I was like, how many people creating these policies that affect our students and teachers every single day look like me or are black and brown? Not a whole lot. What was really cool is I met a staffer from Elizabeth Warren's um, team, staffer, staff, and he was Filipino. And you know, sometimes when you just look at each other, it's like, oh yeah, 
you know, there's, it's just like a thing where it's like, yeah, you get it. And he was telling me about how he was a teacher for social studies, but he left because he wanted to make legislative change. He wanted to make, like, change on a bigger scale because he thought that would be able to affect students more. But then how he feels like we're more boots on the ground and he's not as connected anymore because he's not in the classroom. And so I need to email him, actually, and pick his brain about that. But I thought that was really interesting. So I think I had written in my notes that... This is the first time in my life I have no idea what in the world I want to do with my future. And that's 100% okay. I probably wrote that in, like, May. But then going to this in June, it helped give it some form. Because I've always been the person where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this and this is the outline of this. I always knew since, like, high school that I want to go to school at either New York or Boston and study music in some form. And then go and get, you know, as I figured out those music ed, go get my master's, go get my doctorate, pardon, whatever. But for a minute, I was like... I have no idea what city I would like to end up in. I have no idea what I want to do. There was a point where I didn't know if I wanted to teach anymore earlier in the spring. But this summer has been so affirming and validating that these are the things that I want to do. And it's natural to go through the ebbs and flows of everything. Yeah, so that was really fantastic. DC was great. I would love to move there eventually. That's like 40s, 50s Rachel working in law, education, policy, all that stuff. You know, uh, pish posh. But also, because Beyonce uh, Beyonce did her show in D.C. a few days ago, and she did, look around, everybody on mute. And D.C. did a great job at staying on mute. So I was like, well, that's just further confirmation that I have to move there. So that was the end of June, and then my birthday happened on June 30th, and that was really fun and awesome. And then July happened, and I just have been working in the admissions office still and teaching lessons, and... I toast came to visit so a lot of friends have been coming to visit and it was so great to be able to show him just like what my life is at right now because I, I was trying to say earlier before I went on a tangent is that I feel like when my friends come to visit me now they see me they get to see like a fully formed Rachel in Boston I feel so much more confident in my friendships not that they ever felt unconfident but just they just feel as confident as ever you know, and the people that I love and I feel surrounded by friends that I care so deeply about. That I worry sometimes that I care a little too much. You know, I'm very much like a love out loud kind of person. But then I'm like, I don't think it's ever bad to, as long as I'm not like love bombing, you know. But just like, I'm a very, um, like if I feel something, I'm going to tell you, you know. I'm going to verbalize it and I just love to love my friends out loud and sometimes I get a little worried that I'm doing that a little too much. So if I, if you're, if you're a friend and you're listening and I do, I need you to tell me and I'm happy to reel it in, but cause I just have such an appreciation for the people who are consistently there for me. And because I really do believe my friends are my protectors in not in like a way where it's like an obligatory situation, but just inherently in how they talk to me and how they look out for me and all of these things. So that was really fantastic to have Toasty here and he got to meet every single one of my like different friend groups which was really cool and that was a bit of July and then I went to California I went to California for the AAPI gathering the Asian American Pacific Islander music education gathering the first one ever so I had been working on this or like known about it since like I think like January so I've been doing this study for Dr. Kin Vu, uh, who is a professor at Boston University in music education, and it's a study on music education. Sorry, someone just looked at me through the window, and that really threw me off. I always forget that people, I like to leave the windows fully open sometimes when I'm home alone, during the day, 
not like open open but like the blinds fully open and I forget that people can see in here like a little fish tank and this guy just walked by and just stared at me so that's always a little thrilling but anyways so I went to California I was in Anaheim and like little Saigon and this was the first ever Asian American music educators gathering and it was ran by Dr. Kim Vu and Dr. Tina Huen and Dr. Vu I've been doing the study for that's specifically about music educators who are Asian American adoptees because there's such a surprisingly large amount of us huh there's like three at Berkeley in itself so it was so great to be at that because that is where I came with the word affirming when I think about that whole week I was there for a whole week and I got to give my first big solo presentation I didn't talks before you know for like the music I talk and everything but this was my first like we're not using the word conference for this like conference gathering it is kind of like in conference style, but it's a lot more intimate. There's about like third, 25, 30, I feel like 30 people who are in my session who are consistent um, at the gathering. And I shared about the title of it was Where Do We Go? Analyzing the Attrition of Pre-Service Teachers of Color. So looking at why so many students of color leave the field before they're even graduated. And also looking at why so many teachers of color just aren't in the field anymore or why there aren't teachers of color point blank period and so it really tied together with what I was doing for NAFME for Hill Day and it was so fulfilling to be able to talk about something I care so deeply about and I my presentation was all pink and red and I thought that was really fun and cute because it is a girl's girl summer so it was all about like when we think about our positionality that we're in specifically for Asian Americans, what does that look like as a student? What does that look like as a teacher? How do we talk about it? Especially with the SCOTUS ruling. So the Supreme Court's ruling on affirmative action, what that's going to mean for our students, especially as language continues to be more coded and it's going to get a lot more complex. There's so much to that. I could get into a whole thing about affirmative action, um, especially because I think it is a confusing topic. It's a confusing topic, too, because Asian people are being used as pawns, essentially, for white supremacy to pit us once again against our black peers, specifically, which is really disheartening because it's like the whole scene in Barbie when the Kens are fighting and the Barbies go to the courthouse and take it back over and make like real legislative change, you know? And then the Kens are all just like fighting amongst themselves. That's really what they want us to do. They want us to be too preoccupied with one another, going back and forth with each other, and then they're making real structural change that is going to hurt us. So, yeah, it was really fantastic to talk about that and meet so many people and meet so many Asian people. That was the biggest thing besides like giving my own talk, which I'm so grateful was received so well. I had some high schoolers in my session who were there giving a performance. They came to see my session afterwards and one of them pulls me over and they were so excited. They were like, oh my gosh, like I was just on your session. Can I talk to you? Da, 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 da. And I was like, yeah, we can talk. Like, it's just me. Like, we can, we can kiki. Like, it's gonna be fun. Uh, and they were so kind. And what they told me, they were like, it was so affirming to hear you talk about what being Asian means to you, especially in education and in higher ed. And I was like, what? That's crazy. Something about hearing that something I was doing is affirming, boom, life changing. It just, it meant the world to me, especially because of everything that I've been doing this year. And this really felt like the accumulation of all the work and the thoughts that I've had this past year 
about education, about who I am, about what that means, about being supported. It was really great to be around so many people who shared that same mentality and also acknowledged like what being Asian means for us and for other communities because sometimes there is a lot, well not sometimes, there is racism in the Asian community, especially towards black people. And I made a very clear point in my presentation to talk about we are not liberated until we all are liberated. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the Immigration Act of 1965, which was forefronted by our black peers. So we can't talk about that until, or we can't you know, continue to talk about this without acknowledging the need for liberation for all people. Because it's the same thing as accessible education. If you make something accessible, or accessibility in general, if you make something accessible for one group of people, it makes it accessible for all people. It's in the same vein. So, I feel really good about that. I might include a clip here. I don't know. We'll see. I recorded it as a voice memo because I wanted to go back and listen to it. But that might be a whole other discussion for another day. So, it was also just really nice to be around so many Asian people because, like I was saying, I think sometimes being Asian becomes a bit of a thing for me. And I really realized that, yes, I've become more connected with being Asian, but I haven't been more connected about what it actually means to be be Vietnamese, especially because I'm not someone who looks traditionally Vietnamese. I get Filipino a lot, which is cool. And also, I'm probably not, I mean, I know I'm not 100% Vietnamese because I did an Ancestry DNA, and they were just like, 80% East Asian. And I was like, girl, I already know that. I already know that. But, you know, hearing so many things growing up over my life, my mom was like, maybe you're part white because you have big feet. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And so she told me that so during the Vietnam War, my mom probably hooked up with a white man. Crazy statement. <laughs> it's just like a crazy, like not like crazy the whole like, you know, the you know interracial couple or whatever. But just the like, I, I was told this when I was like 10. <laughs> she was like, yeah, well, you pro- your parents probably, like, you're probably part white, and that's it. Which is fine. Maybe I am. That's why I have little Ligo. Maybe that's why I have white spots. I don't know. But I just think about that. I think that's wild. Um, so, especially for, like, some full context on some things. But it was so validating to be around so many Asian people. And it was this inherent thing to where I didn't feel like I have to prove being Asian. Sometimes I feel that way when I am in Asian settings, but I think also because I knew that there are other adopted Asian people and we were all able to share our experiences. And I met this lovely woman named Kate and she was adopted from Korea. And she, we were talking and then I shared that I'm adopted and she was like, oh, I'm adopted too. And we immediately gave each other a hug. And there was just so much love within that gathering. So the first day I was working it, so I was with Dr. Vu and Dr. Quinn the whole time and Dr. Quinn's mom drove us to the venue the first day and she was like oh like we're just trying like where are you from I was like I'm from Houston but I'm adopted from Vietnam and her face immediately lights up and she pulls me into a hug and she just goes I'm so glad you made it and she was like you are so beautiful and that just meant I can't express how much that meant to me because I think sometimes I do feel disconnected to where like I've really been searching to be more connected in being Asian, and I think that's why I am such a huge advocate for, like, teachers of color and, like, what does it look like for representation in the classroom and all these things, but for it to not even be a point of discussion, but just so inherently, because you are you, yes, you are Asian, but just because you are you and you are here, you are beautiful and just beautiful in general. It was just so kind to hear that from, especially, like, an elder in the community. I was... 
I was like, whoa, this is going to be a great week. I can feel it. Um, and then talking to everybody else there was Asian, too, obviously. And it was so warm and welcoming. And that just something they wanted to teach me everything. Because sometimes I think in the Asian community, there's this stigma that you're already supposed to know things. And so then it's like, well, don't you know the culture? Like, it's supposed to be passed down, da 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 but that wasn't the situation at all. They all wanted to share with me what they know and teach me about their culture and help me learn what that means for me. It was just affirming. That's the word I just keep thinking of, affirming. I just feel so confident in that I know this is the work I want to continue to do and that it's never ending, but that would knowing that I am being supported, but that also I'm supporting people who are so fantastic like everyone I met at the gathering, it means so much. And I hope you can hear like the smile I have right now and the joy in my voice because I feel like I have all these like Asian aunties and uncles now that I could like call up and they just, it's, there's no questions asked. There was just from the first day, there was a lot of love for one another. These, these are like the kind of people, you know, like when you go to like a summer camp and you hang out with people for like less than a week and then you end up being like friends for life. That's how I also felt about at NAFME at Hill Day when I met all of these other collegiates who were there representing their states and I made all these friends. I shout out to my girl Megan and Shanna and Caleb. Mm. We would go get coffee every morning. It was great. And it's like the vibe. And then we ended up playing cards until like 3 a.m. Or like maybe it was 1 a.m. I don't know. But I literally remember I was with I was with two of the girls and I was like, I'm just going to go to bed early because we were going to all leave for our flight. And then we ended up playing cards the entire night. We were playing now. Time of my life, I must say, it just the whole summer, the whole camp vibe of like you meet these people for a short period of time and you end up being in each other's orbit and in each other's lives for forever. Like me and Iffy, my friend Iffy, who you've heard about, um, who I went to AMDA with for like two weeks I think maybe not even I forget it was when I was 15 and we're still best friends and she lives like down the street now same vibe at Hill Day at the gathering it just is so nice to feel too that people are excited to meet me and I don't want that to sound like arrogant in any way but I think um, it's really nice to feel like people are excited to get to know who I am and that I'm an interesting person. Because I think I kind of forgot that for a while, to be honest. I think I just lost so much of my confidence this year. And I was looking for it in the wrong places. And now I feel so confident just in myself and who I am. And that, yeah, I am a lovable person. And people enjoy being around me. And that I have things to say that are of value. I just, I started to feel like a broken record. I started to feel like a broken record for a long time this past year and I think just being sad for a bit of it too really just like tore me down because it's not who I'm used to being and my therapist always tells me like you know being sad doesn't make you a different person which is true they're right but it just was a lot to navigate and now to have this whole summer where I'm making new friends or people are excited to meet me and it makes me feel hopeful for the future that everything is going to be okay as things change as people move change is okay and it's gonna be scary and things are gonna ebb and flow and it's gonna suck sometimes especially when you know I say goodbye to like well we won't even talk about Levi leaving we're not gonna get into that yet but Grace is moving and Lauren's moving and it it hit me yesterday at the beach and 
you know, I get scared because I'm like, what if I'm not going to make friends? <laughs> Which I know isn't true. But then to have this validation in, yes, I am someone that people want to know and that I can make friends anywhere and that I have so much to look forward to in the future and that the work that I'm doing is not going unnoticed because it felt like I was hitting a wall and I was a broken record and just that it was just becoming a thing, that I was a thing, you know, that my identity and things I represent were just a thing and not something that had branches and legs of its own that affected other people it was just like me like screaming at a wall being like oh my gosh listen to me and then I would get worried that was just me trying to find my own validation in my identity so and maybe that was a part of it and that's okay but that it's been a very fulfilling summer but yes I feel like I have all these Asian aunties and uncles now who I call like these are the kind of people that I would invite to my wedding because I'm like hey like and trust that's not happening for like a good like 10-12 years you're not gonna catch me getting locked up till like 2029 until I have a doctorate boom trust trust which I think is so funny because I am such like a rom-com hopeless romantic kind of gal but that's the other thing is like I feel most myself I've never been in a relationship and I think maybe it's like I don't really know what I'm like missing out on what I'm quote-unquote and but I love love and I love my friend like seeing my friends like in relationships and everything it makes me so happy I just love all their love like Bill and Gina visiting and like Levi and Steph like I just love seeing everybody love out loud to each other but I really feel this summer I really feel most myself when I am intentional in enthralled in the work that I'm doing and maybe I'm a workaholic I don't know um who's to say but I don't know I feel like this summer I just kind of like it sounds so cheesy corny but I really learned how to love myself again and I hope you can I'm looking at my mirror so when I podcast I look in a mirror so that it feels like I'm talking to somebody even though I'm just talking to myself and it works it helps feel like the conversation flows a little bit more but I really do feel like I learned to love myself again love thine self I really feel like I've learned to love thine self again um this year and I think that is because of the opportunities that I've had that I'm so grateful for that have been like my professional development summer, but it all has this common thread of the fulfillment and the affirmation that I feel that I am receiving in having these opportunities to represent myself and people that I care about. And also, you know, girlhood summer. Okay, so let me explain like the whole gimmick thing. So when we were in DC, I was walking around with the chair of the music ed department, Dr. Adderley. And Dr. Adley was like, sometimes I miss being in D.C., da 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 everything. And then we're talking about Starbucks. I forgot why I mentioned that. We're talking about Starbucks. That's where the real, real story of this point goes. And we're talking about the Oleato drink, their little olive oil situation this summer. And he was like, it's just their summer gimmick. And I went, oh, summer gimmick? <laughs> and I laughed to myself for probably, like, at least, I was going to say 10. We'll say 7. That sounds a little bit more realistic. But I'm gonna say ten, actually, because you know what, we would be and we would be at like the Capitol, and then we were at like a, another state building, and I was still laughing to myself, because I love the phrase summer gimmick, because that is what is I am all about, and my summer gimmick is having a sense of joy and playing what I do, and I think that's kind of jubilant and beautiful, but I literally just I thought that was like the best phrase I'd heard in a long time, so I'm always up to gimmicks and shticks and and various events. When Toast was here, I thought that was so funny. When Toast was here, we did a beach day. We did we went to the beach that I go to. And then we drove to our friend Mason's metal show in Worcester. Mason is another high school friend of ours who I love very deeply. And he's the one who gave me a concussion. And we went to Berkeley together. You know, all that good stuff. All that lore. And 
I was having the time of my life at this metal show and they were moshing and they were screaming and there was so much happening and I just I listen I just was like wow life is crazy because you can just do anything like I was standing in front of a mosh pit at a metal show thinking about how I was teaching third grade like two weeks ago let's sit with that yeah so I don't know it's been a very fulfilling summer and that's what I have been up to I've been reading more. I've been taking film photography again. I think I stopped doing film for a bit this year. Or I know I did. And it's really nice to capture everything again because I just want to take every memory and hold it so close to me because I kind of am a forgetful person, I think, if I don't write things down. But there's something so nice about having analog things. So this year, I ended up making a book for my friends for a graduation gift. And, and Tianon, Alan, and Kale, if you're listening to this the day it drops, don't listen right now because you haven't gotten yours yet. But it's a book of all the film photos from like the past three years. And I just wanted to have something that had like all of my work in one place. Because, you know, in another life, and I think I could do this in my life too. I don't know. Maybe if I need a little break and I'm tired one year, who's to say? In another life, I would be a traveling photographer. I would love to be a wedding photographer. Oh my god. Imagine doing wedding photography, those photos on film, little warm light, a little gray. Mm. Mm. Yeah, in another life, I would be a, a wedding traveling photographer. To travel the world, to just see everything, to have so many little iced coffees everywhere. Oh, I'm revving up, and it's about to be the end of the episode. Man, but there was a lot to cover. There's a lot of like nitty gritty to cover. Anyways, in another life, I would be a photographer. I mean, I am a photographer right now. I think I consider myself at this point. But I'd be a traveling photographer. I wanted to put all my work in a book. And so I made a book for my friends that's called Life is Cookie Crazy Lit Movie. Oh, wait. Life is Cookie... Life is Bananas Cookie Crazy Lit Movie. Because I love saying the word bananas lately. And it's just all the photos of my friends from college. And it is something so special to me. And I just wanted to be able to share that with all my friends because I really want, you know, more than anything, I wish and I hope that my friends see them the way that I see them just because they are the people who I feel like not make me me, but see me and then uplift me to be the fullest version of myself every single day. And they don't, I don't know if they realize that they do that, but I just, I love you so much and I wanted to put that in a book. Just so you can see how I see you through at least my camera. Because I think that is a good representation of it. Because uh, it's just so much joy. And you can see it in the movement and the photos and all of that. So that's where I was this summer. And I also wanted to go see Beyonce. Because for Levi's birthday, which was yesterday, August 9th. Everyone say, happy birthday, Levi. Uh, I wanted to get Levi a birthday present. It was kind of an excuse for me to get them, too. It was It's like a birthday present slash little, like, happy four-year anniversary of living together celebration of our time being bestie roomy siblings. I want to get us tickets to go see Renaissance, to see Beyonce. Because after I was at Gillette for Eras, I was like, there's no... I got the concert bug. I was like, there's no way I'm not going to go see Beyonce. So I waited... I've been thinking about this for months. I waited until it came like to like a week before and the prices had dropped significantly. So I got us Renaissance tickets. <laughs> and that was also a life-changing situation. Oh my gosh. Huge day for me to be an annoying person. A Houstonian. Huge day for Houstonians everywhere. 
but specifically in Foxborough, Massachusetts. We got Foxborough, Massachusetts. We also stood with Megan O'Connor Vents. And if you are a long-term listener of the pod, you know that Megan and I did eight episodes together with our hip hop for music ed class that Jarrett ran. So that was really special because I love Megan. And Megan was actually Levi's music teacher in high school. So I just thought that was so fun. And Levi, uh, Megan, if you're listening to this, Levi I thought was so funny because we realized that you haven't seen the two of us interact together. You've only interacted with us separately. So it was just Levi and I being like, ah, cookie lit, crazy bananas movie. So on that note, I think that's like a good rundown of everything that's happened this summer. Let's do, let's do a little recap, okay? So May, graduate, stress, stress, relief, gone, boom. Friendship, fun, summer, gimmicks, what girlhood may end of may trips to rhode island rhode island first trip with nula where we just listened to taylor Swift for a whole freaking day uh, actually that was in june i don't even think i talked about that before but that was the first day i went to the speech in rhode island that means a lot to me that's like my place you know i'm just so glad to be able to have like physical spaces and analog things i really like having tangible and real things to remember memories because I just want to put everything in my pocket and keep it forever but even just really good feelings of like nostalgia and reminiscence and everything anyways June boom teaching DC huh congresswoman pack in the house just kidding I don't think I would ever do that but it was really funny because Dr. Adam was like Rachel, go take your Elle Woods picture in front of um, the Capitol. And I was like, oh, okay, I will. In my little pink power suit. Then, come back. Birthday. Boom. Then, toast is here. Boom. I dog sat for a month, too. That's something I forgot to mention. It's a little side note. You know I love my crusty little white dogs. They're holding me down. And they're holding my income down. Uh, I've been paying rent by myself, too, which has been really validating. It's been very... It's been very validating to know that I can do things on my own. You know? You're on your own, kid. You always have been. Uh, So I paid my broker's fee and my rent and my deposit. And I paid for movers because I'm moving on the big Boston moving day on August 31st. Thank you, Matt, for helping me drive a truck because you know I would probably get stuck on Storo. And then I would end up in only in Boston on their Instagram account. And that would not be fun. It would be maybe kind of funny in like a few years when I recover from the debt of messing up Storo. But yeah, we all know that. I don't think me driving a truck in Boston would go over very well. I do love driving, though. I do love driving. Don't get it twisted. I'm not feeding into the stereotype that Asian women are bad drivers because guess what? We're not. We're not. I think I can drive. I emphasis on I think I can drive. I drove to Rhode Island yesterday. It was great. Anyways, June, birthday, toast, July, dog sit, July, end of July, California. That's what I was doing. Also, I went to Knott's Berry Farm. That place is crazy lit movie. I didn't know Snoopy was their mascot. I got a Snoopy purse, Snurse. Y'all know I'm rocking the Snurse walking around Mass Ave now. Boom. Beginning of August. Bill and Gina visit. Boom. Road trip with Grace. Boom. Also beginning of August. Literally the day after I got back from, for some timeline purposes, I know I'm jumping around. The day I got back from um, California, I had like a little 12 hour travel day, which usually I love traveling. That's one thing. I've been so lucky this year to travel so much. I've been to DC twice. I went to San Francisco. I've been to uh, Anaheim. Pardon me. And I love it. Oh my goodness. I love being in airports. 
I love being airports because everyone is going to see somebody or something that they are looking forward to, that they love. It's so great. And it's just like a place where I can stop. Because I feel like in airports, I don't have to do work. I don't have to think about anything. I just need to get myself to the next destination. It's an in-between space. Because I put a lot of pressure on myself to always be doing something. But in airports, I don't have to always be doing something. I can meander. I can go get a little juice. And I had a layover in Austin, Texas. And I got juice in. And that was was so good. So, anyways. I had that 12-hour travel day. Got my little juice. Then, boom. Next day. Wake up. Bedazzle my hat. Go to Renaissance with Levi. Boom. Then, few days later, Billie Gina come. Boom. Tonight, Nuala and I are going to watch another episode of The Summer I Turn Pretty. And this, we are at a very pivotal point in season two. So, if you want to talk about that, we can talk about that. But anyways, hearing, oh, and also, hearing Beyonce live was so huge too. Because one of the songs she does, she does this cover of a song by Frankie Mays and Beverly. Or Frankie and Beverly Mays. I always forget where the and comes in. Called Before I Let Go. And that is a very special song to me because Papa Killebrew would show me that song when we were in the car in Houston. We'd be driving. He'd show me the original. No, actually, he'd show me the Beyonce version first. He goes, listen to this. And then he'd show me the original. And then we would sing it. And sharing music with him is, like, one of my favorite things. He also showed me... We just have, like, so many different songs. But that one is a very special one to me. So it was so great to hear that live and just sing it and yell it. And then yesterday we went to Rhode Island. So, and now we're going to watch Summer Chain Pretty Night. So... Happy August. August slipped away into a moment in time. Great song. One of my favorites lately. Anyways, thank you for listening to me jibber jabber for the past 57 minutes. I hope you've had fun. I've had fun. I think I'll do like a whole episode probably with more of the nitty gritty stuff because I know I touched on some education things. That's the other thing. This podcast is not going to become like an education specific podcast. It's still about the growing pains and the ebbs and flows about being like a young adult. I remember when I used to listen to Girls on the Go, Gals on the Go, in the beginning of college and Brooke, one of the girls on the go, was talking about being post-grad and I was like, oh, that's so far away. And it's so wild to think that now I am post-grad, almost, essentially. So it's going to be a time we're going to talk. I really do want to get into more of the nitty gritty of like what I talked about in DC because I feel like I did a very mumbled job of it this time. But I really just wanted to share with you everything that's been going on in my life and in my brain. And also I thank you for listening, especially with the AAPI gathering because that was a huge moment for me. And it feels so nice to be loved and to find that in so many different avenues of my life and for people to be excited to meet me and all these things. And I just feel excited about the future. Am I a little scared about things changing and about, like, you know, I'm not even going to get into it. Things changing, people moving, relationships dwindling. It's okay because I know in the long run it's all going to be okay because we've done it before and we'll do it again. So, I hope you all have a lovely rest of your day and I will talk to you very soon. What I was going to go into was that this podcast is still going to be about just me being me. Honestly, that's what this podcast is always about. Sometimes it's about education. And it's about all the things that I love and care so passionately about. And sometimes it's about going on little dates and meeting every single person in Boston. And I think that's kind of epic. So just talking about everything and anything. So, okay, I'll actually go this time. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for chatting with me. Bye.